The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Our challenge is that the problems around us reveal the problems in us. And the pain in our communities reveals the pain in our own hearts. See, we notice most what's wrong in others because it reflects what's wrong in what we're struggling with. See, our communities, our neighborhoods are a mirror to our own homes, to our own lives, to our own thinking, to our own prejudice. And so when we begin to notice that someone else is mean, often it means that sometimes I can be a little mean. We think others are rude because sometimes we're in a hurry and we can be a little rude and really what's the issues in our city or in a city are really just a reflection of the things we're struggling with. See, it's not pain or problems, it's people, people like you and me. And so what we do is we make it generic. They have a problem or we have a problem, but the reality is I have a problem. And it's hard for me to look in at me. And so what I do is I make a list of excuses. And usually I use the pain and the problems in my own life as the excuse for why I don't have to deal with the pain and the problems around me. Open up your newsfeed. Let's be honest, we've got some issues to deal with. We have some issues in our city, in our cities. Hagerstown has some challenges that we're facing. Chambersburg has some challenges we're facing. But the challenge is that we often make lists and we point it out for others to see and others to fix. And we don't see ourselves as either part of the problem or as part of the solution. And so it's easy just to read over a list on a newsfeed and talk about the problems or the pain around us without ever thinking that we might be both part of the problem and part of the solution. Look, we gotta be honest, right? We have our issues. But it's not just an issue of homelessness. It's that so many of our homes are not filled with the love that turns a house into a home. It's not just that we have too many kids growing up in unstable life and family situations. It's that many of us struggle with how to be good and healthy and loving parents. We're scared if we're doing it right and if we're just going to mess our own kids up, they're going to need counseling by the time we're done with them. It's, it's not just that we have an opioid crisis in our community. The opioid crisis reveals that every one of us have a problem with pain. And we're just doing, we're just using different forms of self-medicating treatment to deal with the pain in our own hearts. It, it's not that we just have an issue with poverty or economic disparity in the city around us. It's that every one of us have issues of jealousy and greed. We want what we don't have, and we're trying to use things to fill a deeper void in our own hearts. And so where do we turn? And here, here's the reality. You and I can sit right now, and we can, make, we can begin to make a list of excuses a lot of reasons as to why we have the right to feel how we feel and not deal with the pain in our own hearts. And we can make a list of excuses as to why we don't have to get involved in the pain and the problems around us. I wanna introduce you to a woman today who had all the excuses in the world. And she was confronted face to face with whether she was just gonna continue 
to wallow in her excuses or she's gonna become part of the solution. Now, what you expect is for me to show you another video and tell you another story, but I'm gonna bring you back in time to a woman that Jesus met 2,000 years ago. And Jesus was countercultural. Jesus did radical things in radical ways. Jesus disoriented people. He threw them off their game because Jesus got under the surface and he dealt with things in a way that would kind of disarm you. And so I want to bring you back to a story told by a guy who was there. So an eyewitness who wrote it to people who were struggling with whether to believe that Jesus really was who he said he was. And so I'm going to bring you back. It's in the Bible. It's written by a guy named John. John was both a close friend and a follower of Jesus. He was a student of Jesus, and he, re- he saw this moment firsthand, and, and, and the parts that he wasn't there to see, he heard about it. So we're going to jump back. It's found in the Bible in the Gospel of John, chapter 4. So we're early in the story in the life of Jesus where we get this moment. Here we go. Jacob's well was there. At where? Well, it said, the story goes that Jesus on his way to Galilee, passed through Samaria. I'll explain that in just a moment because it's kind of an important part of this whole story. Jacob's well was in this region, Sychar, on his way way through Samaria, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, believe it or not, even Jesus got tired when he was on a long hike. And so he did what normal people do. He sat down by a well, thirsty. But imagine going to a coffee shop and they just have, like if we have free coffee, but no cups. It's a little frustrating. Especially when you like woke up in the morning and you're like, I need coffee. I feel like people at the coffee shops, they have the best and worst job in the world. They meet people at the worst and then they make their day. Okay, Jesus is thirsty. He gets to a well, he's parched and there's no There's no pail to draw with. It was about noon, heat of the day, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples, by the way, were gone into the town to buy some food. So they had gone to get lunch. Jesus is there by himself at a well. He sees this Samaritan woman who said to him, you are a Jew, And I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with the Samaritans. So let's just pause here for a moment. Here's what's going on. You have a case in point situation where two people who should not meet run into each other. The Muslim meets the Christian. The the individual who grows up in the, you know, difficult, impoverished, urban core meets the suburbanite who has grown up with kind of a silver spoon and a silver platter in their hand. The haves meet the have-nots. And so very specifically, Jesus does what most people would not do. So the, the, the Jews and the Samaritans, they were having, this was a, a several hundred year old feud. This is nearly a war. They don't just like kind of like dislike each other. They hate each other. This is, you know, like if you would imagine today, like this would be, you know, people who hate the Jews passing through their communities and their cities. This is a Palestinian Jewish feud, right? This is the Jews who look down their nose at the Samaritans just to make it even. So there's a racial tension here. 
There's a religious tension. The Jews believe they have the right religion. The Samaritans are viewed as kind of pagan outcasts. But the Samaritans have a chip on their shoulder. They're angry. And now to make this even more complex, you have a woman who in a male-dominated culture is is used to being looked down on, mistreated, and this particular woman is used to being taken advantage of by men. Okay, have I set the stage? You have a racial issue, you have an ethnic issue, you have a uh, cultural tension, you have a gender bias here, you have socioeconomic biases, and Jesus is passing through Samaria, to Samaria where he doesn't belong. Now, let me give you another little inside peek, because this is something most people reading this wouldn't be familiar with. So. It's kind of like going down Interstate 81 in this area. So it's the straightest route from our region to get to Virginia would be go, go, through 80, go down 81, which of course means you gotta pass through a little stretch of West Virginia. So the fastest way for Jesus to get from where he was, Judea, to Galilee, you had to pass through Samaria. But most Jewish people would actually take a different route. They would actually go out of their way to take, take, to take 70 down 15 in order to get further south to Virginia to avoid West Virginia. They would go out of their way to avoid this region of Samaria. By the way, those of you that are, you're from West Virginia, I am just, I'm not picking on you. I'm just trying to help you mentally picture this. We have dear friends in West Virginia, some of our favorite loving churches that we love are in West Virginia. We have some of you are in West Virginia. We love, I root for West Virginia, by the way, for college football. So, all right, I feel like I needed to say that just to, you know, just so you don't hate me. But here's the point. Jesus actually didn't go out of his way to avoid Samaria. He chose to walk right through it. In this desert region, he actually doesn't avoid it. He goes through it. Here's what happens. So this woman is trying to give him the stiff arm. Jesus answered her. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Jesus quickly shifts the conversation from prejudice and racism and hatred and biases. He gets under the surface quickly. He gets to the core of the tension. What's really going on in this woman's heart? He goes, whoever drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Wait, this woman's like, I, th- I thought we were talking about water. I-, I thought we were talking about Jews versus Samaritans and the rich versus the poor and the haves versus the have-nots and the- those that hate versus those that are hated. And Jesus is like, let me, let me, let me get your attention here. You- you're trying to get water. I'm asking you for water, but if you really knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a water that if you drank it, you would never be thirsty again. And so he continues, he goes, whoever drinks this water, I will give them, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. This woman has a pail to pull water out um, out of a well. She's got her challenges and issues and biases and prejudices, her hate and her hurt. And Jesus goes, let's shift gears here for a moment. Let's not talk about this well. Let's talk about how if you drank the water I give, it would not only satisfy your thirst, but that water would give you a source of life that would spring up in you that you could be a source of water that never runs dry to others. You could experience something that would fill you and then spill out of you. The woman 
she kind of gets curious. She's like, uh, clearly we're not talking about water here anymore. So the woman said to him, uh, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. She goes, okay, you got my attention. I want some of that. But Jesus is not quite convinced that she understands what he's getting at. So he goes, first, I got to make sure you understand that you're thirsty. So he goes, go home and get your husband and then let's talk about it. And she goes, well, I don't have a husband. And he goes, you're right. You don't have a husband. You've had five husbands. And the guy you're living with right now is not your husband. See, this woman would fit in to our community. She, she'd fit in around us. Like she belongs here. We're Samaria, right? But what's the point? Um, the point is, here's a woman who her thirst wasn't for real water. The metaphorical water that she was thirsty for was she wanted a sense of belonging. She, she had a need that no matter what relationship she went into, it wouldn't satisfy her. And so she was going, she was churning through men because she, she was realizing no matter what man she got, that guy couldn't fill the deeper need in her heart. She was thirsty for a water that couldn't satisfy her. She was, she kept going to a well that no matter how many times she went to it, she drank it. It wasn't satisfying. She, she had to go back over and over. And you and I have a pattern in our life. The reason why we feel pain is the problem is we're drawing from wells in life that aren't satisfying us. And so Jesus challenges her and says, you're right, you don't have a husband. And then she kind of, she pulls back and she goes, whoa, this just got deep fast. And she's a little uncomfortable. And so she tries to stiff arm him again by saying like, okay, okay, okay. Like, God, we need, we need to just pause, not get into a religious conversation. In fact, this is kind of her response. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet, but I don't want to get into a religious debate. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. She goes, look, I, I, I'm not ready for a whole religious conversation here. I'm not ready to cross the gender gap between you know, male domination and women that are oppressed. I'm not ready to deal with the whole racial and prejudicial issues here. Uh, let's let God deal with this. And then Jesus just jumps the gap. Here it is. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. I'm the one you're looking for. <laughs> this isn't about marriage. You catch that? This isn't about intimate relationship. This is about dealing with a thirst issue. That every one of us are thirsty for something that never satisfies. And Jesus suddenly shows up, crosses the hate gap, crosses the hurt gap, cr crosses the gender gap, crosses the socioeconomic divide. He walks through countries that others won't walk through. He talks to people that others will avoid. And he says things that others won't say because he is the one, the only one that can say he is the well, he is the, he is the spring of living water that we thirst for, and he is the only one that can satisfy. The challenge, what Jesus is giving her, remember, he said, if you take the water I give, it will not only satisfy you, but it will become a spring of living water within you. What was he saying? What's the principle that you and I can apply to our lives? Well, I want to, it's, it's simple. Be the change you're looking for. That sounds so cute, doesn't it? Can y'all at all of our campuses just say, aw, aw, it's so sweet. Be the change you're looking for. And so if we just pause right there, you'd all go, that's a really cute cliche. We've heard those kind of things before. You know, be the change you're looking for. 
and, and you would feel challenged, but you wouldn't know what to do with this. Because no matter how hard you and I try, we are not the change we're looking for. In fact, we are the problem that's being created in the community around us. We are the pain that's causing the problem. Now, I'm not gonna push too hard on that because I don't wanna offend you. So I'll just take, it, I'll take personal responsibility. I'm part of the problem. I cause pain. And if you were honest, so have you. You've hurt someone, you've said something, you've, you've held on to an offense. You've been hurt, so you've hurt others. You've put up a guard to keep people at arm's length, even though what you really needed was to belong. You've rejected. So how do we become the change that we're looking for? Well, here is the challenge. I think first we have to acknowledge that you and I are thirsty and that we can't quench our own thirst. Let's at least admit that every well we've gone to and every bucket we've dropped in it and we've pulled it out every time we drank from that bucket, we always had to go back for more. Let's at least be honest with that. When we drank from the bucket of um, pleasure, we had to go back for more. When we drank from the, the bucket of uh, masking our pain, using something, whether it's medication or an adventure or more money or a higher position, it never covered the pain for long, and so we had to go back for more. If you turn to sex or relationships, you've quickly discovered that when you drink from that bucket, it doesn't satisfy your thirst for long, and you have to go back for more. And we could go through many wells, but the point is this, all of us have a problem because we're never satisfied. Why? Because at the core, the reason we're not satisfied is because whatever you're pouring in doesn't fill the spiritual bankruptcy in our heart. And our pain problem is called sin. Sin is a spiritual problem where every one of us have at the deepest need, the deepest thirst in our lives is not a thirst even for belonging. It's not a thirst for love from others. It's not a thirst or a need for um, satisfaction in life. We don't need a promotion. We don't need a position. We don't need um, to just our, our physical bodies to feel better. Our problem is that we are separated from God. We have a sin problem. Sin is not something we do. It's who we are. We were born separated far away from God. And as a result, we have desires and we make decisions and we do things that are sinful. We turn our back on God and we go further and further away from God. And as a result, we distance ourselves from God. We like the Samaritan woman, by the time we meet God in however way that God shows up in our life, we try to stiff arm him. I have a lot of excuses, God, on why I don't need you or want you. You've hurt people like you have hurt me. People like you have rejected me. And maybe you're feeling that way. Maybe the church has hurt you. Maybe religious people have offended you. Maybe your view of God is that God is mean because others have been mean to you. Maybe you believe that God doesn't love you because others haven't loved you. And so you've stiff-armed God because others have stiff-armed you. But Jesus bridged the gap of this woman's rejection, her isolation, and her unwillingness to talk reasonably with him. Why? Because Jesus saw that, that, that this woman like all of us had a sin issue, a spiritual crisis. And sin, because it separates us from God, leads to a death, not a physical death, but a forever separation from God in eternal judgment. 
And Jesus was willing to go out of his way to not avoid her. He was willing to bridge the gender gap, the socioeconomic gap. Jesus was willing to walk across the street and walk into a new country and have a difficult conversation with a desperate woman who needed her thirst to be quenched with the only water that could ever truly satisfy. And so what is the point? How are you and I ever going to experience that? Well, the first thing is this, we have to be changed. Can I, can I just challenge you? The only way you're ever going to be the change you're looking for is if first you are changed. In fact, can I give you a warning? This is a strong warning. Do not try to help others until you yourself have received help. This is the warning if you've ever been on a plane. And at the, most of you zone out, but if you're paying attention when, the, when they're giving you instructions pre-flight takeoff, they always say, if, if there's an emergency, this little uh, air thing will fall from the ceiling. Put yours on first before you help someone else. So this is my warning. Be changed before you try to be the change. Why? Because you will only give out of the water that you're pulling out of the well. And whatever well you're pulling from is the well you'll share water with. Meaning you're going to give out of whatever bucket you're drinking from. And so if you're drinking out of the relationship bucket, you're going to try to give people relationships, but you're going to give them what isn't even filling you. If you're drinking from the money bucket, you're going to be trying to share with others what isn't even satisfying. You. If you're drinking from the addiction bucket, you're going to share your pain and your addiction, and you're going to give them what isn't even fulfilling you. And so you and I have to be changed before we try to be the change. And so what does Jesus do? Jesus comes to her and says, you have a thirst that will never be satisfied, and it cannot be found in drawing one more time from that well or the well of relationships or religion or money or a career or fame or status on social media. No, I want to make it clear. Every one of those wells will leave you thirsty for more. And at the end of life, you will realize that sin has an ultimate ruin in judgment. But Jesus said, if you drink from the well of my life, I will give you water that will allow you to never thirst. Again, please hear me. Every one of us are thirsty for something. And we're drinking from wells that will never satisfy. The only source that will ever fulfill us is Jesus. When Jesus speaks to her, he says, I, the one talking to you, am he. I am the one and the only one that can satisfy. I, I realize there are some of you, you, you you've never come and surrendered your life to Jesus. Jesus is the one and the only one. But some of you, you believe in Jesus, but you keep going back to other wells. Can I challenge you? They won't satisfy your thirst. Jesus is the only one that will ever satisfy the thirst that is most deeply ingrained in your life. And so you and I, we have to first commit to receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That means believing in him by faith, allowing him to forgive us of our sins. How? We believe that Jesus died on a cross. When Jesus died, here's what he did. He took our shame, our guilt, the suffering of our sin, the eternal judgment of our sin, and he put it on himself. So when Jesus died, he died once for all so that anyone who believes in Jesus Christ by faith is forgiven of their sin, shame and guilt removed. You are changed. 
But Jesus not only died, he rose again from the dead. And in his resurrection, he conquers the power of sin. He satisfies our deepest longings so that now when we drink from the water of Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection, we are made alive in Christ. Now, check it out. Hurting people are healed. People who are spiritually dead come alive. Broken people are restored to new life. People that are thirsty have their thirst quenched in Jesus. Jesus Christ. Angry people are offered healing and hope and forgiveness. People who are sharing hurt and hate, their hearts are transformed and they become part of the solution and they become people who share hope and love and compassion. See, when you drink from the living water of Jesus Christ, you experience life change. Now, because you are changed, you can share that change, right? Jesus said, if you drink from the water I give you, not only will you be satisfied, but you will have a spring of living water welling up from within you. You begin to share what's in you. Check this out. Then this is the rest of the story. That was just the first part. The second part is equally remarkable. Then leaving her water jar, meaning leaving behind the thing, that she once used to satisfy her. So this is more than just literal, this is also metaphorical. Leaving behind the relationships and the things that she once turned to to satisfy her. Now filled with Jesus, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I've ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. And it says that when the people of the town came, they met Jesus and it said they believed And they said, not just because you told us so, but because now we have met Jesus ourselves. So when you are changed, then you be the change, right? The key here is that we have to become the very change we're looking for. See, now I can make this practical. This isn't just some pithy, cute little cliche. Now this is real life. When you are filled with the living water of Jesus Christ, what fills spills. Now would you begin to allow the way you've been changed, the life change that you've experienced to become a story that you share. Notice what the woman does. She doesn't go back and say, you all better shut up and listen to me. I go to this church and we have these standards and this is our religion and you better believe it. She didn't post uh, real strong convictions on social media. She didn't start calling out her friends for their wrong way of living. I'm sure she had a few friends that were living like she was. She wasn't insulting people. You know what she did? She went home and she said, this is how my life was changed. Could it be that what I experienced, you could experience? Is it possible that Jesus really is who he said he is. Is it possible that what changed me could change us? Look, the only reason why I'm even here sharing a sermon with you and why we're part of a For Our City campaign is because there's a whole bunch of us who experienced the radical life change that happened through Jesus Christ. I was a thirsty man and I continue to have deal with a thirst issue, but I have found that every time I turn to Jesus, he satisfies, he fills, and what fills spills, and I just want to share the wealth of the living water of Jesus with you, and you have a responsibility, tag your it to be that change, and so what happens is this, don't demand people to drink from your water. Find thirsty people and offer it. Could it be that this water would quench your thirst. Some of you, you're trying to invite people out to church. You're like, you gotta come to church. You're going to hell. Stop it. (laughs) Tell them the story of how your life was changed by Jesus and they'll want what you have. 
show them how your life is changed and they'll want their life to be changed too. So you just show, I've experienced life change through Jesus Christ. Would you consider coming? This is how you deal with sharing your story in a community and in a nation that is multicultural and has a lot of religions. We don't shove it down people's throats. We just say, would you consider Jesus? Could it be that what happened to me could happen to you? And then you begin to share the way your life has been changed with others so that their life can be changed. Check it out, follow me, this is really important. Maybe you are an angry person. Well, you're part of the anger problem in our city, but when your heart is changed, you become part of the change in transforming angry people into loving people. Maybe you are a selfish person, but when you experience life change through Jesus, you became selfless, and now you're a part of the solution for selfishness in our city. Maybe you've been greedy. Maybe you've been hopeless. Maybe you've been addicted. And when Jesus begins to transform your heart, you become part of the change in our region, in our community. You are the answer to the community as you experience life change. And let me be clear, that's how a community, a city is transformed. In fact, that's a story we wanna share with you. We have a woman who just shared that very story of how her life was changed. And she just wants to share what she's received. Would you check this out? Hi, I'm Stephanie and this is my story. My husband, he joined the Air Force when we were just 17 years old. And I ended up getting married at only 18. And we moved to Alaska. We thought this would be a fairy tale. From the time we were 18 until like 21, we kept trying to start this family and it just didn't happen for us. Now our marriage is struggling because we can't, I can't give him something that he desperately wants. And so I'm on my externship and I have to take pregnancy tests. And lo and behold, it was positive. And so we got pregnant, the pregnancy was amazing. And so life, like, it really took off for us. And then unfortunately, about 18 months ago, things took like an absolute turn for the worse. My husband was in a horrific accident um, he survived, but a lot of things transpired, and so now he's no longer um, in the same area as us. And so I had to learn how to live life without him. One of my best friends, Carrie, she drove us here to Hagerstown, the place that I absolutely hate. It wasn't for me. It's not a place I ever saw me coming. I didn't feel like I could go on. Like, I really didn't want to go on. I felt like I was all by myself, but I had my kids who needed me. And so because of them, like, I kept going every single day. But I had to learn that, like, God answers prayers, but he doesn't always answer them the way that we want them to be answered. That helped me, like, get my faith back into God. Like, that kind of encouraged me to go back to church. And the first series that was going on was For Our City. And I'm like, how amazing is it that God lined it up? And I'm telling my husband, like, you know, I don't like this place. I don't want to be here. You know, like, something has to change. I'm going to change it. The people here aren't nice. And I'm like, you know what? I want to be that change. I'm going to go out and I'm going to do something about it. God definitely placed on my heart that it was time for me to do different things and, you know, move on to a different ministry. My ultimate goal is to get my master's degree in social work. But right now, like, because substance abuse is so near and dear and close to my heart, like, that's my short-term goal within the next six months is to be working as a substance abuse counselor in this very community that I 
absolutely hate it, that I've grown to love. And I also want to be a social worker. So when people come through those doors at DSS, they're either in my situation or another situation where they come from having everything to losing everything, or maybe never even having anything at all. I want to be that the first person that they talk to. And I want them to know, like, I care. Like, I'm there for you. Being a believer doesn't mean, like, things are perfect. Like, you know, like, everything's gonna be good. It just means that you know that when things are bad, there's somebody there to always pick you up, even if you don't see them. See, that's, that's what I mean. God wants to change your heart. He wants to be the change in your life. He wants to rescue you so you can become a rescue worker. God wants to heal you so you can become a healing agent. And so before you take another step, let me challenge you to take a first step. Now, this isn't the only step you need to take, but it's the first step. And that first step would be a commitment to faith in Jesus Christ. So if today you have not yet made a decision to put your faith or your commitment in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He wants to be the change in your heart and life. Now, if you've made that commitment, then your challenge today is, how am I going to be the change that I'm looking for in the community, that I'm looking for in my home, I'm looking for in my neighborhood, I'm looking for in the classroom, I'm looking for in my workplace. Your challenge is to be the change. But before we move on, the challenge for each of us is how do you need God to be the change in your heart? And so I wanna, I wanna ask you to take a moment. Would you just, just at each of our campuses right now, would you close your eyes? And I'm gonna invite you to make a commitment right now. If that's where you're at, and you're ready to say yes to Jesus by faith, you, you realize that you've been thirsty for something that cannot be satisfied without Jesus Christ. And you're ready to say yes to Jesus. Can I encourage you right now? Would you just raise your hand high? You don't have to be afraid or embarrassed, but just would you raise your hand high and say, that's me. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus by faith. And with your hand high, we wanna just pray with you right now. So we, those of you that are raising your hand, I'm gonna take a moment and just pray over you. Jesus, thank you for these individuals at each of our campuses right now, for those right now in Chambersburg that are saying yes to you, those at our cinemas that are saying yes to you, those at Wilson Boulevard that are saying yes to you. God, we are celebrating that as they receive new life through faith in Jesus Christ, they are drinking from the living water of Jesus, and they are being filled, and what fills, spills. They are being forgiven so they can forgive. They're given hope so they can be uh, someone, a hope bearer. They are being transformed so they can become a transformational agent in the lives around them. So God, right now, for those that are saying yes to you, give them the courage to make that commitment and take those next steps. God, we thank you that you are life, and you are the living water. And we say this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.